0: Shields, and you're listening to The Cozy Sleuth. Today, Snoops and Sleuths, I have with me Abigail Keene, here to talk about her books, writing, and all things cozy. Abigail, would you like to introduce yourself to my Snoops and Sleuths?
1: I am delighted to be here. Thank you for asking uh, me to come. I'm sitting in my office. This is where all the magic happens. In the background, you can see some of my books. Um, I've written about four different series, and And on the wall over here is where uh, I was a beekeeper and my uh, flagship uh, mystery, which is the Josiah Reynolds mystery is about a beekeeper uh, turned sleuth and um, I won all these awards for my honey. So beekeeping and, and that's something I know quite a bit about. So I try to teach people in the books about beekeeping as well. Why it's so important that we let dandelions grow and wild violets grow, we just don't have grass
0: in our yard. Wow, I may have to ask you a few questions because my main character keeps bees on her ranch. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I will have to come to you for some advice on notes on beekeeping because I have no idea on how to do that. <laughs> I'd be delighted to help you <laughs> So you've already answered question one but is any I'm sorry go ahead oh (coughs) I was just gonna say you've pretty much answered question one is any of your writing inspired by your actual life
1: I would say so Uh, for 10 years I raised honeybees and I sold the honey at a local farmer's market which is what my protagonist does Yeah, I don't think I could have written that mystery series if I hadn't done that first, Uh, because uh, local farmers market are a little more intricate than you think that they are. And the local food economy is a little more intricate than you think it is. So that helped me understand what was going on and lay the foundation for that mystery series.
0: Oh, that's fascinating, because I don't know, you think of beekeeping as a fairly simple thing at least i do because in my mind not knowing anything about beekeeping it's like the bees do all the work but
1: <laughs> well actually uh, bees are considered cattle by the agricultural department they are considered a or livestock they're considered livestock not cattle um, and you have to medicate them you have to feed them um you have to take care of them like you would cattle um you have to check on them all the time sure um, your queen is okay and um you know when they get into a starvation mode which happens in kentucky in august you have to feed honeybees sugar water which is basically like mcdonald's for them <laughs> and why it gives them calories it doesn't give them nutrition so you have to back that up with pollen patties and all this other stuff but you just don't put bees in a hive and just leave them alone And that doesn't you have to shepherd them and you have to take care of them it, it's a, a symbiotic relationship and that's why when a beekeeper dies someone has to go tell the bees that's an old 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 custom they that they're shepherd their beekeeper Um, is no longer alive and they will get a new one that's an old custom and that kind of goes back to the symbiotic relationship between the beekeeper and the bees
0: I've heard of the custom of telling bees in fact I have my main character do that in the third book I'm working on Um, she actually tells the bees about her wedding (laughs) and how it's going
1: Beekeepers do talk to their bees, and I used to talk to my bees all the time. You just lay on the hill and kind of talk to them. And, um, you know, down the farmer's market, we had flowers all the time. And so there were hives somewhere downtown. So the bees would come, and everybody would just panic and get hysterical. It was just ridiculous. And I would pick up a bee with my finger, and I would say, If you are calm, you can pet. It. The bee. And I would pet the top of the bee. Always know it's a honeybee because it's furry. And I would pet the top of the bee, and the bee would just clean itself and fly off. I said, There's no need to get scared or hysterical. If you're calm, they're calm.
0: <laughs> oh, I wish I could say I was one who kept calm around bees but
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you uh, the Darth Vader of the insect world or wasps I'm scared to death of wasps and hornets so I do understand people's fear of honeybees but
0: they're pretty benign <laughs> that is excellent to know mm-hmm. so do you have a favorite character in your books or would you get in trouble with your other characters
1: Well, I kept dreaming about this woman, and I got tired of reading mysteries where the person's always young, and, uh, you know, in between on their coffee breaks, they solve mysteries. I wanted to write about somebody who was kind of bitter, (laughs) and and, um, had life had kind of dealt them some wrong um, hooks, and um, I wanted her to be very sarcastic but funny. I want her to be And it's kind and interesting. I don't ride with a plot. I ride by stream of consciousness. So whatever the characters want to go, they go. And sometimes I don't know who the murderer is until we get to the very end. Uh, I don't know of many other writers that write stream of consciousness, but it works for me. And I was going to have this one character Franklin, who was only going to be in the first book, but everybody, and he was very flamboyant. He was much younger, but they kind of, two of them hit it off and they became great friends, but he's always having very flamboyant dress and, uh, and he's always uh, picking on Josiah. He's very sarcastic, back to her. And somehow that relationship really worked as them being friends. And I got so much, um, Feedback that said, Oh, we want more Franklin. We want more Franklin. That he's in almost every book now. And he was just going to make, he just made like four scenes in the first book. These are things when you write, you just don't know what's going to strike the audience that's going to please them. I write to please myself that at the end, I'm also a businesswoman and I have to write a mystery that will appeal to my readers. So I try to keep that in mind, but I try not to let my readers tell me where to go. I try to, you know, I try to stay true, conscious to my own truth.
0: Yeah, it can, it can be hard to balance readers' expectations and wants versus the author's expectations and wants. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a third set of wants, your characters themselves, it seems like sometimes
1: yes um it's it, it's very interesting and that is my flagship mystery i have another mystery series the mona moon series uh that take place in the 1930s and well both of them take place in kentucky and lexington the bluegrass area horse country and i love, love history i just i can't enough, and i just You know, when you grow up at my age and you listen to your grandparents and your parents talk about the depression and World War II, and you think, oh my God, they had 15 years of misery. How did they survive it emotionally? And they did. Um, And the intricacies of what's going on in the 30s. The 30s were very volatile. Um, Politically, there were a lot of riots, strikes. Women were, um, they wanted, uh, they wanted better pay. They were just being paid like 30 cents on the dollar. And uh, there are a lot of women that's uh, in the, uh, especially in the uh, service industries um, uh, quit. And um, so what I did in the Mona Moons, I put real people and real events into the storyline. And I tried to make it as realistic as possible. What was going on and still be entertaining. And uh, Mona Moon carries a gun in her purse. She's sort of like, um, Uh, Australia's Miss Fisher. Um, And I tried to um, have her interact with people that were very important at that time. And then I put an addendum at the end of it explaining who these people were, if you weren't familiar with them, and what they did and what that event was about and why she said that. And a lot of people have responded very well to that. And I really enjoy writing about them. I think the 30s rather than the 20s were my favorite time period. There was so much going on.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of the classic movie and the of that time frame as well. In fact, I wrote a steampunk cozy mystery set in the 20s. Uh-huh. The main character there is a uh, archaeologist. And that was a lot of fun because I got to research some of the slang and put in that kind of a feel. It was a lot. I think that was like my second favorite book to write.
1: (laughs) And we all like the clothes better, don't we?
0: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God, the way they dress. And nobody would ever think about going outside in jeans. Nobody would think about that. It's just if you went downtown, you got dressed up.
0: Yeah. Now it's, it's just kind of like not even jeans. Some of us are going out in like our pajama pants or. Now what's that
1: about? What is that about? Really? A pair pants. So, yeah. Oh, oh, if, uh, some of my characters saw that uh, today. They, they were just like, oh, did that person escape from a mental institution? <laughs> different attitude of living and how one presents themselves. And they were just more formal and um, I think they would be horrified.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, mean, my My archaeologist isn't one to faint, but if she saw modern modern clothes now, I'd be like... (laughs) Oh. I know.
1: But when we talk about writing a mystery, um, like I said, I write stream of consciousness. I don't uh, I don't plot out my plot. And I find, like I was saying before, I find that that works very well for me. How do you do yours?
0: I am what's called a pantser. I write by the seat of my pants. Okay, there you go. Another
1: stream of consciousness.
0: <laughs> I've tried writing by plot, but I like to say my characters are a little too alive to follow a set, <laughs> a set plan. And you find
1: they don't go where you want them to go.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: They um, have a life of their own and they just do what
0: they want. Absolutely. And I never know who the killer is. The, this last book, I thought mm-hmm. I had the killer figured out. Another character basically pulled an entrance like Emperor's New Groove and was like, I did it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's very interesting that you write the way I write. (laughs) Um, We're we're kind of um, a limited crowd that does that. Um, Like James Patterson, for example, writes a detailed outline and he even writes dialogue. And I was thinking, if you're gonna write dialogue, just write the book. (laughs) Yeah. I I that's another step however I think if I did plot out I might save myself a lot of time because sometimes I just have to quit and think now where is this going (laughs) what is she doing what where am I supposed to go with this and then you have to kind of work that out and then you have to go back and make sure everything matches lines up you can't have it yes. this way out here and, you know, you've got to make sure everything fits. So I'd probably write faster if I did do some sort that of outline. That's what I me. <laughs>
0: yeah, our writing processes would probably go faster if we could plot, but <laughs> mm-hmm. our characters don't like plots.
1: <laughs> no, they don't. So. Um, Let's hear about
0: more of what you write. Oh, I write um the av- I guess it fits into the paranormal cozy genre, okay. but I call it more the mythic cozy genre because all the main characters are mythical creatures. My main character is a Native American elf called a uh, Kawi Anakasha. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which comes from the Choctaw folk tale tradition.
1: Oh,
0: the Choctaw is one of the five nations, great nations. Yes. And it actually happens to be the tribe that I'm uh, you a member of. Yes. Okay, all righty. And she has a friend who's a centaur who runs the local coffee shop and. <laughs> Well, how nice,
1: how nice, um, uh, my father lived in Oklahoma near the Choctaw Reservation, and he yeah. talked about Choctaw, and so I'm quite familiar with them, you guys are split into Oklahoma and Mississippi. Right. The tribe is split, and, um, <clears throat> and as I understand it, I correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, the Trail of Tears were also for Choctaws.
0: Oh yes. Yes, that's how they ended up and in they went Oklahoma area. Yes,
1: and every October, um, we had a huge Indian powwow in Hopkinsville to celebrate, uh, they're celebrating, they commemorating the tra- uh, Trail of Tears. And of course, you know about when the Irish were having the potato family, the Choctaw sent them $700.
0: Yes, I know that. Actually, they have a statue in County Cork that they recently dedicated to the Choctaw.
1: Really? Yes. Uh, Just think about these really put on people who were forced to leave their homeland, sent another group of people $700. That was a lot of money back
0: then. A lot of money.
1: Well, peers for the chocolate.
0: and that was gathered out of their poverty. That it they is. had basically nothing, and yet <laughs> they gathered all that.
1: Yes, that is uh, that is an amazing story.
0: Yeah. In fact, I incorporated it into the first steampunk book I ever wrote about five years ago where the main character is Uh Choctaw and she's talking to someone and mentions about that.
1: It's uh, very interesting that my character in my second book uh, was a Choctaw. (laughs) Uh, It's so interesting that they have this connection. His name was Jake Doss and uh, he talked about in the book, he talks about the Trail of Tears uh, one of my uh, characters says, "Well, I guess you don't like uh, Andrew Jackson." He goes, "No, we don't like Andrew Jackson. Andrew <laughs> Jackson is all sent uh, No, no, we don't name our kids Andrew. So, uh, <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. We both write about Choctaw characters.
0: Yeah, and it it was a lot of fun to write the series Mystic Ranch Mysteries because it gave me a chance to research, especially this third book has given me a chance to really research into a lot of the Choctaw culture. Because I have where my main character's family does a traditional social dance at her engagement party. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have like some of the some of the traditional foods mentioned in it I even use some of the language like she calls her grandparents and I am probably going to butcher this <laughs> sorry anyone who actually knows the language uh her she calls her grandma Pakmi, which means my grandmother and her grandfather Mafu, <laughs> and it's just been a lot of fun to research that.
1: Yeah, we like, um, well, in the Josiah Reynolds um, series, which I have a new book coming out on Monday, Death by Poison, available on all um, episodes, uh, or pay sites, Amazon, Kobo, Google, iBooks. And I want to know what you here in Bluegrass. And uh, we have a, um, I want to talk about, you know, since we wore a slave state, I wanted to talk about the aftermath of how the race relations work. I wanted to talk about, um, so I created a character, uh, Shanika Mary Todd, who's descended from the Todd family and has connections with Abraham Lincoln. And um, I wanted to talk about, um, in her office, she's a lawyer. She's a criminal lawyer. She has a letter from Abraham Lincoln. She has slave shackles. She has pictures of black women. Doing Washington. Um, she has a Confederate uh, officer's sword on her walls. And she says, well, these are family airlines. I didn't collect them. They're passed down to me from the family. So that kind of talks about, it's a little more complex than you think it is and how, peters down to the generations today. And we have a large gay population here. And of course, we're the horse capital of the world. We have a lot of money here. There's there's the aristocrats, and then there's people like me. (laughs) But we're getting close to Derby time. And on uh, the week before Derby, you will see limousines up and down the roads, up and down the roads, and these beautiful antebellum mansions that we have. We still have. We haven't torn down every one of them. Uh, they're all giving huge, huge parties for Derby Day. You know, for this area, Derby Day is the day. At least, not Christmas. That's Derby Day. So, uh, so I write about all that, and we're kind of mishmash here. Uh, we had two universities here, uh, one in Georgetown, and so we have a lot of college students here. And I like to write about the culture. And since I've lived here, I used to—I uh, I come from Northern Kentucky, but since I've lived here, I've seen great changes in the culture, uh, some of it good and some of it bad. And I like to write about it in the book. So. Um, I like to inform my readers as well as entertain them. And I I hope I do a good job. I think I do. Uh, I don't get too many complaints. But um, it's something I like to keep on doing for a while. And um, I, I would basically say I write about women for women. If men like to read my books, I think that's great. But they're not my audience. It's women that are my audience. That's
0: great. Um, so when you're not writing, what kind of hobbies do you do other than beekeeping?
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh, what kind of hobbies? Well, I live in a middle house. It's a cliff system uh, that borders the Kentucky River. And um, at this stage of the game, I'm getting a little bit older. I just want to eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> so uh we go out and eat a lot and keep up the yard and just do stuff like that i tell you i love the florida keys i love to go down the keys because they have so much wildlife down there yeah. um and and just um well, it's, being gentrified now it used to be kind of seedy, which i loved and um i like to write a nice or place in the um, the keys. I just love that area. I love to smell that salt air. And then about you know a month being down there, I, I got to come home to Kentucky. I miss the rolling hills and I miss the horses. Um, I mean, you drive down any road in this area and you see the horses. And now the uh, they're letting the babies that were born in the winter. They're letting them out. and are <laughs> So I just enjoy living in my area. It's a beautiful area and if I can travel, I try to do that. This pandemic, I am sure for every writer, writing is a solitary venture, as you know, and it's kind of lonely, but this pandemic just made it worse. Oh, sure. I mean, at least yes. we could get out to book signings and uh, book fairs. We could do that and meet other artists and other writers but that pandemic for two years has shut all that down it's opening up now i was like oh i just want to get with other writers and just talk shop
0: (laughs) yeah i i miss getting together with my fellow writers i mean fortunately there's always facebook but it's not quite the same (laughs) no it's not it's not at (laughs) all
1: it's not at all. And I'll just, uh, I'll be glad when this whole pandemic thing's over and life can get back to normal. And um, I can enjoy life a little more. A little yeah.
0: yeah, once this is over, we might actually learn to, you know, appreciate the life we had before a little bit more. <laughs> so, how can my snoops and sleuths follow you?
1: Um, Well, they can follow me on my Facebook or um, just abigailkeen.com or the same thing for my website, abigailkeen.com or www.abigailkeen.com, lowercase, all lowercase. And uh, they can sign up for my newsletter or, you know, my Facebook and I'm on Instagram. So uh, there are many ways to follow me. And again, Death by Poison is coming out on Monday. You can buy it on Amazon, Kobo, iBooks, Google, Barnes & Noble. And it has a picture, I, I don't, I haven't ordered any books yet, but it has a picture of Josiah with her mastiff, baby, and they're in a pony cart with uh, their horse, a pinto, Morning Glory on the front. It's, it's very colorful.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it. And I love the title, Death by Poison, that's yeah. so mystery. <laughs>
1: Yes, um, I try for that series since it, we talk about animals, their animals are characters in the book, and uh, they are uh, there in the house. She lives in this house called the butterfly. That, the house is a character too. I try not to have dark colors, I try to have very cheerful, bright colors because I think that attracts the reader. And especially, you know, I, I don't put a lot or anything like that. And if that's a live on Monday and I enjoy it. Please leave reviews. I leave reviews.
0: (laughs) And I'll be sure to put the links to to how to follow you in the show's notes.
1: That is fabulous. I know I think you're a very busy gal and I think we might be taking up your time.
0: (laughs) When when I do the show, my my time is your time and I'm having absolute blast talking with you.
1: Okay, well, what else
0: would you like to talk about? Well, I do have one more question. What is one complaint your characters would have about you as an author?
1: I write too slow. (laughs) I don't write fast enough. You know, I have girlfriends that can write 10,000 words in a day. Oh, how they do it. I write, if I'm having a good day, I write 2,000 words. <laughs> to me, that's a lot. Um, I, I don't know how somebody can put out a book. I, you know, I've had girlfriends that put out a book in four days. I worked on a book for three months. You know, by the time you want to go back and rewrite it, then you have the editor rip it apart, and then you have to rewrite it again. It takes three months. And then you got to format and you got to get the cover done, and you know, I, I just don't see how people are putting books out like every six weeks or so. I, I admire them for that, but I, I could never do it. And I would say, oh. to
0: say you write too slow. <laughs> my characters would say the same thing because I'm like you, two thousand words, yay! I had a good day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like you said, the editing process, the beta readers, the.
1: And even if, you know, you have beta readers and you have the editors go over it, I'll go back and look at some of my older manuscripts. and say, oh gosh, how could I have written that sentence like that? It's just terrible structure. Oh, my English, my sixth grade English teacher would have been horrified. Uh, it's like oh my god, I'm covered, and we all miss that. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I tell, you know, I do conferences or you know before the painting, and I tell young writers, you're going to make mistakes. Just act like they're, you know, fix them and just go on. Because <laughs> I'll tell them about a story about, um, and, and, and I had a cover, and we had this cover on this book for at least two years, and I picked it up one day because so I was going to. Um I needed the number from it and I looked at it and there was a misspelled word of the title, of the title. Oh and we went for okay, we had editors look at that, we had data leaders look at that, I looked at that, my husband looked at that. We never saw that. We never called. <laughs> so how many how many books of that did we sell to bookstores and to customers who looked at that and thought we were total idiots? <laughs> You know, I didn't. I didn't worry about it. We we changed it. It cost you know, it cost a lot of money when you have to make changes like that. Oh. And just went on and just pretended like it didn't happen. <laughs> if anybody was going to ask about it, I would say, well, "What are you talking about?" Oh, that's just, just go. But I do. I read so much, and I just oh, I hate that structure. Oh, a comma should have gone there. If when you are a professional writer, you have to get books out or you're going to lose your audience. And you don't have three years like uh, Flaubert to go over that and What did he say, 10 years on that? You don't have that time. You've got to get things done and get it and go on. So I would say, if you make a mistake, correct it if you find, and just go on.
0: <laughs> There's this one thing I saw on Facebook that said, to the typos that have survived, four rounds of let's see it was like four rounds of edits, five beta readers, and such and such. I salute you.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I've kind of worked it out to a system where I say it's ninety nine percent of my catch, but there's always that one percent. I worked out a system and I just don't worry about it anymore. I used to <laughs> breathe over it. And I don't you know. Sometimes a reader will bring something to my attention uh, and 50% they're wrong, 50% of the time they're wrong, but 50% of the time they're right. And so I always look at that and then I check what they are saying. And and if they're right, I thank them. If they're not right, I never respond to them because what can I say? yeah um, so readers can be helpful that's why I don't read um mysteries in my own genre because I'm afraid I'm going to subconsciously pick up something and uh, so I try to steer away from that I read a lot of biographies and history and I read a lot of that stuff but uh people of my own uh I try to like oh cause. Um, I just don't want to be down the road like, oh my gosh, that's where I got that plot line. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting um, education um, and it can be lonely and I tell you, sitting at a computer can really ruin your body. It it really takes a toll on you physically.
0: Oh, yeah. It certainly does because I know like After a day of writing, I'm like, oh, what'd I do? I just sat at the computer all day, but I'm like exhausted.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
0: But in reality, you didn't just sit at a computer all day. You lived in a whole nother world for for a day. And you talked with how many different (laughs) characters and... (laughs)
1: Right, right.
0: Well, it's been great talking with you. I can't believe the time just flew by on this.
1: <laughs> well, it's delightful talking with you and, and um, the connections that we have, uh, Choctaws, uh, uh, Riding by the Sea River Pants, that's very interesting.
0: Yeah, you never know the, the uh, connections you'll make when doing a podcast
1: (laughs) absolutely absolutely
0: well snoops and sliss you've heard another great interview here on the cozy sleuth i'd like to thank my patrons regina cozy cub dower bear and patty paul for their contributions in keeping the show commercial free and growing i'd like to thank my coffee clutch for their contributions as well if you'd like to be like my patrons and have your name mentioned on the air join me on my patreon page at patreon.com slash the cozy sleuth or join my coffee clutch at coffee.com slash the cozy sleuth that's ko-fi.com slash the cozy sleuth and if you want to hear cozies read by live actors check out the cozy mystery rats maze wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time this is leanna shield saying keep cozy